With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Let's have a little round ball chat. Uh, we have got the master of the round ball code. Jeez, you're into your neck. Ricardo, Rick Dog Ball. Welcome in, buddy. Hey, Steph. How you doing, bro? Good, mate. Are you just living in clover at the moment? Like these controversial stories, these upsets, these favourites, these England. Um, are you sleeping? Uh, yeah, yeah, getting a bit of sleep, mate. Getting a bit of sleep. What I'm doing is I have been timing it so that I get up at sort of about 10 to 5, and then watch that game. And then at halftime, they usually play you the highlights of the other two games. But, oh, nice. uh, you're trying to actually uh, function during during the week uh, and during the day. It's pretty tough if you want to watch all of the games. I mean, I go back to 2006 when the, the Cup was in Germany. And I had heaps of time owing at the job I was at then, so I, um, I actually took four weeks off and just lived on German time, so I didn't <laughs> miss a game, and I watched every game, and I just stayed up all night and slept all day. It was brilliant. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Mate, uh, upsets happen in the World Cup. Has one ever happened as big as Saudi Arabia, who I think are the second lowest-ranked team in the World Cup? Probably Qatar's probably lower. I don't know. Um Taking out my sweepstake team in Argentina, I don't really care about that, but um, that's monumental. Yeah, it is huge. Uh, I, I would say there are things that have happened like that before. If you go back to 1990, Argentina played Cameroon uh, in the opening game, and Argentina were defending champions from 1986, and Cameroon won that game. So there's that one. Um, there's also, if you go back to uh, 2002, the opening game, uh, of the World Cup there, which was in Korea and Japan. Uh, the French were defending champions with Zidane, and et cetera, and they got beaten by Senegal in the opening game. So th- there are precedents. We have seen it happen before. I know some people have mentioned 1950 when England lost to the United States, uh, 1-0 in a game. So there, there have been upsets, and I think that's why you know, the Football World Cup tends to capture imaginations like other World Cups don't, because you, you know, with the Rugby World Cups, Cricket World Cups, things like that, it's a lot less likely you're going to get upsets just because of the nature of the style of the game. Has there ever been a World Cup with as much noise off the field as this one with um, teams not singing anthems, not being allowed to wear armbands, uh, protests, all that sort of thing? There's a huge narrative around this tournament. Mm, yeah, there is, even bigger than probably, you know, four years ago it was in Russia and there was a lot of controversy around that. Um, you know, there was talk about potential boycotts of that tournament um, uh, but I, I, don't, I think that pales in comparison to this one. Um, this one is absolutely massive and it's probably not helped by the hosts themselves the Qataris, um, Orgiani and Fantino, the president of FIFA. Uh, you know the, some of the things they have done and said it's, it's like they say one thing but you can't believe anything they say and they can change their mind at the drop of a hat like I know for most people it wouldn't have been a big thing but for Qatar to say there's not going to be any beer at the grounds because we're not going to do that. That's um, the Royal family decided that four days out from the world cup in 2014, when Brazil held the world cup, FIFA made them change 
a nationwide law about porridge at football stadiums so that they could have the World Cup. Otherwise, they were going to take it off them. <laughs> so you've got to wonder, you know, uh, whose balls are in the vice here? You know, I mean, because <laughs> generally FIFA, when they go into a tournament like this, they take over and the government has to play second fiddle to them. That's what it's been like in the past. So this is, yeah, some, something monumental. And, you know, I think somebody uh, I was talking to said, you know, if they can change their mind at the drop of a hat like this and FIFA just roll over and have their stomach scratched, then what else could they change their mind about at the drop of a hat? Mm. I, I want to see the balance sheet at the end of this, the, the honest balance sheet about how these things have got across the line. The honesty part of it, uh, is, it does make me laugh because they are so hell-bent on making sure that everybody believes that it's a, uh, this tournament is a success. They're actually torpedoing it themselves in a number of ways. The game between Senegal and the Netherlands the other day, you could see there were lots of empty seats, right? There, I, I listened to a podcast with a couple of journalists who were there, and they said, look, at best it was three-quarters full. That stadium, the official capacity for that stadium is 40,000 people. When they read out over the tannoy, the crowd for the day, which is traditional in football at about the 75th minute, apparently there were 41,532 people. <laughs> Sam, yeah, Sam, Sam Hewitt's gagging in the producer's booth. Sam and Kez, they're both big football fans. Sammy, go. Oh, yeah. I guess when um, when you get big upsets like uh, like we saw this morning with Argentina, Saturday, but I always say, Rick, that you're good for a big upset in the group stages. You're also good for one big name not making it through. So I think there will be a big name team that doesn't make it out of the group stage. But me and Kez were working out you know, all the calculations for how Argentina are going to have to recover from this. Because if you lose a game in the group stage, you really are on a heavy back foot because even if you win your next two, you're hoping that these other teams or the team that has beaten you isn't winning two as well and another team isn't, you know, goal diff, et cetera. So um, Argentina, you know, they've they've been underachievers at World Cups. Do you think that that's pretty worrying for an Argent, you know, Argentinian fans and Messi fans and Di Maria fans? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, going into this game... They, they were in fantastic form. Argentina hadn't lost, uh, I think this was their 36th game uh, without defeat uh, leading into this game against Saudi Arabia. So no one saw that coming. Um, and I thought that the, that the Argentinian team looked pretty good, actually. I thought they looked uh, really well balanced. I mean, you've got to take into account, too, they had four goal, three goals ruled off for offside, and they hit the post in the first half. They could have been 4-0 up. Um, so I wouldn't write them off yet. I think they're, they're still better than the other teams in the group, and I think they'll get through. But what it does, interestingly, is it means... I think everybody had been tracking this tournament like Argentina would win their group, Brazil would win their group. If that happened, they would meet in the semi-final. If Argentina finished second in their group, they go to the other side of the draw. So is that the worst thing for the World Cup? Well, there's still a bit of a way to go, and they still need to win two games to get out of their group and probably do it in second place. But it does... Um, mix things up and throw up some interesting permutations, it's got to be said. Ruins a couple of multis as well, as Steph said this morning. The TAV were looking, they're licking their lips. How do they, like, how do Argentina, Rick, you watch a lot of football and you know sort of the intricacies of it. How do they use Messi efficiently? Because I watched today and I, you know, I've played a bit of football, but I never have watched it as closely as a lot of other people. And I watched it today seeing a guy, a superstar, who doesn't sort of demand like the presence on the field that maybe he does in club football. And when he does get on the ball, he didn't really do much. He was sort of shut down quickly. He was trying to do a bit on his own. Like, how should Messi play for Argentina to help them be successful? 
Well, I don't think that, you know, like I said, 36 games in a row, they're unbeaten. So I think he's been pretty, they've been playing pretty well. He generally plays just behind Lautaro Martinez, um, the Inter Milan striker. So like in a 10 role. But I think what the Saudis did really well this time round is they cut off passing avenues to him. So they stopped him getting the ball a lot of the time. And then when he did get the ball, there were four men around him. So he, they were cutting off avenues for him to pass the ball. And so he was having to run with the ball a lot. Uh, and I think that's not his game now at 30, however old he is, what, 35, 36. So I think it was really clever. Tactically, uh, the Saudis got it bang on, uh, did it really, really well. But, you know, Argentina, they've got, the thing is with Argentina, they've got a lot of weapons. You know, they've got um, Martinez, as I mentioned. They've got Angel Di Maria that you mentioned. They've got Alvarez, who's the young player coming through at, at Manchester City, who's scoring goals for them as well. So they've got plenty of options. Uh, I think they need to probably get... Uh, try and figure out how they can get Alvarez on the field as well. Uh, and then what that does is that stops the defence from being able to do what they did today because there are too many dangers and you can't commit too many players to, to one player, if you like. So I think it's probably something you'll see that, that'll be a bit of a tweak from the Argentinians. So uh, I just hope they, they do get through this group uh, because, I mean, how good would it be to see a Brazil-Argentina World Cup final in particular? You know, all those people, this is Messi's last World Cup. You know, you want him to to have a sniff, at least, of, of lifting the trophy. And if he does that, I think then the argument about who the greatest player ever was will, will launch again. Ricardo, I've got... Uh, we've got the news very shortly, but I've got four words left. Mm-hmm. Manchester United, Ronaldo, go. It's great. It's great <laughs> for Manchester United, um, to be honest. It, it really is. It's, it's a monkey off the back, and... Uh, it's interesting the timing of this because he, the club have released him and then the Glazers have effectively put the club up for sale. Um, so we'll, that is out there now. So uh, that is going to be huge. Uh, and I don't, I don't think you could argue the two aren't linked. So, yeah, great for Manchester United, great for Eric Ten Hag. And as a United fan, I was glad that Pogba went when he went because I was so sick of the soap opera, all the BS that was happening off the field, all the stuff that was in the press. And I thought we'd seen the back of that. And then Ronaldo goes to plumb like Piers Morgan in that interview. Um, I lost a lot of respect for him, and I think the club will be better without him. He's just a distraction. Mm. Good man, Ricardo. And uh, looking forward to you hosting 9 till 12 for, for a wee while with Smithy and Aussie. Uh, rest up. Oh, you won't do that. Watch lots of football, and we'll catch up soon. Sounds good, Steph. See you soon, bud. Cheers, mate. Rick Dog, as I say, he'll be hosting 9 to 12 with Smithy commentating in Australia. We'll take new sport and weather. After that, we'll catch up uh, with the TAB. I reckon they made a fortune. They've made a fortune. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.